Stop, stupid. We're recording. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's fine. We're recording. Next time, we'll just let it roll because I think a lot of that banter was pretty good. So welcome to the Between Us Agents podcast where we, everything we talk about is between us agents. It's also retail, real, real estate therapy between us agents, right? <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm one of your hosts, Robbie Lyons, and I am joined by my other co-hosts, Samantha Boyd and Sean Lazy. How are you all doing today? Hey, you were close. You almost got the last, you almost got the last name correct. It, it was a little nuanced there. How is it actually pronounced? So if you've ever yodeled growing up, I always told kids how to pronounce it if they could yodel. So it's Yodel Leahy Who. That's the only Leahy. way I could get ever get somebody to pronounce my last name correctly. So Leahy Who. Exactly. Like exactly. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. I honestly have I been saying your last name wrong for a year. Probably and a half. forever. About two and a half years, yeah. About two years. <laughs> Sam, did you know that's how it's pronounced? No, I, I that's how I say it, but I was never told the yodeling story, so mm. I'm beyond my time. That's that's new for everybody. Fair enough. Um, all right, so we don't really know what we're doing, but we're gonna stop roll into some topics. First one. We are not. We should talk about like who we are a little bit, right? Oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Why, why can we talk about real estate? I think that that's important. So, my okay. name is Sam, Sam, why don't you start? Yeah. <laughs> I can talk about real estate because I manage a lot of transactions. I lead a team in Tampa Bay. I'm about 40 agents. Um, last year, we closed over 180 million in the year prior as well. So we know a thing or two about real estate here in Tampa Bay. I've been licensed for, I feel really old when I say that. I think it's almost eight years now. Uh, I've been a broker for almost two years. So. I was, I was going to say the only broker on the call. This is true. This is true. Yes. And the only female, but That's we will have other female guests. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Sean. All right. Well, I am Sean. I am probably the newest of the bunch when it comes to the real estate arena. I got licensed roughly about four years ago. I actually focus now as an assistant team leader for roughly about 165 agents on two of our teams that are completely nation or sorry, statewide, <laughs> statewide. So we have agents all the way from Panhandle down to the keys. So our main focus is mentoring, coaching agents, developing agents to eventually progress through our scale to advance to bigger opportunities on other opportunities in our company. So uh, 165 agents originally started in production in the model in which we all currently work and did quite well with that work a few different hats when it comes to that um i was our training manager at the time and that's my background in coaching and development so essentially that one thing led to another and i get to do exactly what i love to do is kind of coaching and developing people to essentially take their lives to the next level of what they choose to do that's awesome yeah my name is Robbie. I'm not just a real estate agent. I'm also a husband. I'm also a father. And also... <laughs> Dang. I was going to say, we forgot the personal life aspect of this whole entire thing. We got right into business and said, hey, this is my credibility. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, like Sean, I'm also assistant team leader for um, actually a salary division here at a um, group in Florida. We have agents from Broward all the way to Tallahassee. 
Um, just like everything Sean said, that's pretty much what we do on a daily basis. And Sam, mentor agents, coach agents, um, and we're also part-time therapists for agents. <laughs> so I think it might be part-time plus. It might be borderline to that full-time full age, full-time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, full-time plus. Yeah, that's right. Um, as all being millennials, I think it's in, I think it's appropriate to you know talk about home ownership with millennials. Wait, Shauna, are you a millennial? You're a millennial. I am. I am definitely a millennial. <laughs> what is the cusp? What is? The, I was going to say. Wait a second before we find out what the cusp is. I I'm pretty sure it's eighty. Is it eighty three? If it's eighty three, then I'm definitely in that in that realm. So I think. I think Not like my sister, that boomer stage, my so. sister is seven years older than me. And I think she's a millennial mm -hmm. as well, even though she doesn't identify as one, but okay. And she's like, she's 39. So if you're mm -hmm. in okay, that, I'm definitely range, younger than that. Yeah. But so I'm in that I don't know what stage. year that was. 1981 and 1996. Okay. I'm in that realm there. there you, go. you said 81 to 96 mm -hmm. and then it's Gen Z. Yeah. We'll talk about Gen Z some other time. Of course. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll talk about Gen Z. Gen Z. But <clears throat> so last quarter, I think millennials made up only 14%, which is down from nearly a quarter mm -hmm. of 2021. The biggest buyers that were actually, <laughs> I think this article, it doesn't say it, but were ages 55 to 74 years old who took the take the crown according for according for 44 percent of all home purchases this year we all probably collectively sold, um helped sell what 500 trans five six hundred trans how many transactions did you do last year sam we're probably close to probably like Great. 700 yeah, transactions between least. all of us right yep, so um yeah. what do you what's the age group that you guys have seen for like your guys, what from your team and stuff? Is it is it all? Is it that fifty-five to seventy-four year old number? Because I remember mm -hmm. when I was in production, the people that I really connected with were the young people, mm -hmm. and then the really old people. Yeah. Well, I think it's almost that, like they take really it under the wing. Demographic right. for a new realtor to fit into, right? Because you're talking about working with your peers or working with people that are going to like treat you like, oh, you're so cute. You're just starting out. Of course, I'm going to help you in your business. Like that right. is Definitely. everybody's bread and butter when they're just starting out, especially <laughs> at like, age. Right. And I, th I remember, I remember talking to my team leader at the time, and he was saying that his bread and butter was like families. And I'm like, I'm not connecting with. I look at all the transactions that I did the last year, and I'm like. None of them were families. Zero, maybe Correct. one. Mm -hmm. Right? But he was. He had a family, right? But yes, exactly. He had a family. That's now true. that I have a family, hopefully, I can break into that. You know, that niche. Yeah, I still think new dad, new husband with a baby is completely different than connecting with like forty-year-old yeah, with a twelve-year-old, yeah. ten-year-old. Right? Totally That's fair. Different. Yeah, sure. That's but fair. I mean, but I also can right say, now. like, my dogs are this old, so. <laughs> like i've been a dog dad for like you know like my he's like six years old you know my dogs had kids okay <laughs> and out there. i think it depends on the area that you're in so like mm. pinellas county versus hillsborough county pinellas is almost all vacation 
right? Mm -hmm. Second home purchases, like obviously that's gonna be a way different target demographic than if you're just looking in like the suburbs, super affordable outside of Tampa. Right. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good I remember point. my old market was all short-term rental income producing properties because I was in the theme park central in Orlando. So yeah. my main focus, probably about 60 or 70% of the production around there was all out-of-state buyers. So especially during that era, it was my familiarity was getting people on virtual tours. It was getting people to pick up the phone and basically do a virtual closing pretty much, pretty predominantly. So, um, for a transient market like that. So if you think about that, I mean, for those that I dealt with, I mean, they weren't in the millennial age, you're talking the boomer stage and everything like that. So, um, that was my familiarity. So as far as my background in millennials and families and backgrounds, that wasn't my, wasn't my forte, wasn't my bread and butter at the time. Has anybody sold a home yet to a Gen Zer? Ooh, what's, so what would that be, 1997? That's 96. 96 <laughs> to, wow. 97, I guess. So that's somebody who is 20, why can't I do math right now in my head? 20, 20, <laughs> 27? That's someone who's 27? Yeah, mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. Wow. I can't say I have. I have. You have? Remember when I first started, I was just my own oh, people. Oh That's right. <laughs> we have a, on the team right now, we have a luxury client that is, she can't be more than 21, 22, looking at multi-million dollar homes. They make all of their money online on TikTok, social media, all that, so. Wow. That's crazy to think that people are making money these days, the Gen Zers that are going to be coming into purchasing age, mm -hmm. to essentially purchase homes with basically full digital marketing, affiliate marketing backgrounds, YouTube, social media influencers, and purchasing houses. So that's yeah. their main source of income. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as real estate agents, I feel like we should be taking notes how they market themselves. Right? <laughs> that's for sure. Right? <laughs> Just building their whole communities. I mean, we could hold a testament to your wife, too, with the, her background of what that looked like for her and her own retrospective. Obviously, that's a story for another time. But yeah. Um, yeah. I also, though, I think that boomers are probably a lot more comfortable to buy a house right now than mm. millennials. This is, mm. as a millennial, it's our first time, like, really interfacing with, like, adulting, economy crashing, recession, mm. living, all this talk about inflation. Boomers have seen it. They've been mm. through it. They lived through it. And they're totally right. fine to continue making investments. Whereas, I mean, personally, I think it's terrifying, all the different news and things that you can, you can hear about right now. Well, they're also yeah, the ones that have the, have the funds. Like, I don't know about right. what, oh, what yeah. you're what your area is but here um in palm beach county they i think the number of transactions over the course of, over the last year i think it was 45 percent were cash mm -hmm. so it's probably Apparently. something similar in other areas it's probably like sarasota and even tampa i, would, mm -hmm. I, would I think as I don't a team know. we're at like 67 percent currently right now cash if that says any kind of a testament to what the team's production looks like. That's um, crazy. I think we're only right? at like 30% cash right now. Mm. So in your market, Sam, do you think that there's a lot more of families that are moving around or what, what do you, what do you kind of see? 
Well, I don't know if you guys have watched my video or not, but Tampa is notably one of the youngest cities in the state of Florida, and we take yeah. that crown uh, not so lightly. No, yeah. it is. It's it's uh, one of the top places for young professionals to move to. We have the youngest mm -hmm. average age here, uh, and that's been a huge shift since you know St. Petersburg was like retirement capital of the world for quite some time. Um, yeah, but... my grandparents were like a part of that statistic. Yeah, I mean, morbidly, right? As people die, there's room. Mm -hmm. Right. Coming here. So, huh? Yeah, they died. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Just think of the retirement market that's up in just further north of here, up in the villages. <laughs> mm, Fair. They, do, they keep cranking through. I think the last time I actually talked to a friend of mine from that area, and I think their top agent did alone on their own 151 transactions. Jeez. If that's any a testament to what the retirement age and what happens with. I mean, not to go too morbid with it, but <laughs> people are shifting and moving around in that area. So maybe that's a topic for another day, like how to get into the death market as a yeah. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> well, it's actually one of my topics today. Oh, okay. 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 How do how do <laughs> how do young professionals market themselves to? I don't want to be offensive, but how do you how do you know somebody in that quote um, mm -hmm. older range? Which honestly. I'm not sure that I really have an answer for other than Facebook. True. That's or Nextdoor. I mean, Nextdoor, oddly enough, our community just started that. Nextdoor. Nextdoor is like a boomer's Facebook. Like yeah. it's, it's basically the essential of saying what's going on in your community and people just grabbing the marketing pieces and just saying, hey, I'm here if you need me and then building a whole repertoire based off of that. So, I mean, Facebook obviously has its own tracking with how many people in the boomer stage are uh, obviously flocking to that instead. So, yeah, you can just, just say boomer, just like yeah. one more time, Sean. The boomer <laughs> stage? Yeah. It is a boomer. Yeah. Well, oh, that's right. They're, they're, What's they're the next stage the after boomer? that? <laughs> uh, we don't talk about that, uh, that death stage, I guess. No. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I think, I think it's, it, the important thing is to meet people where they are, right? Know that like where your target audience is and, and mm -hmm. how you're going to be marketing to them. You're not going to find sure. the older generations on TikTok, more than likely. Mm -hmm. Though some of my favorite TikTokers are over the age of 75. Do you guys follow like Grandma Talk? No? Okay. Mm -hmm. Never I don't have a TikTok. Can't... I'm a patriot. Oh. <laughs> We've talked about this. It's Instagram based. Who knows? I mean, that could be a, a story for another time too. Is just asking how long you think TikTok's going to stay around, especially this while this is being filmed right here. I mean, is TikTok still going to be around? Fair. Then in like six months to a year. Yeah. So. And where are Gen Z ears going to go? Where are they going to get yep. their money? How are they going to buy houses? That is true. They're going to force into YouTube. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Mm hmm. But. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll just figure out a way. They'll probably transition to either YouTube. YouTube's mm -hmm. not going away. Um, it's just really hard to build an audience on other Any platforms, other platform. yeah. right? Than TikTok. Yeah, it's probably mm -hmm. the only thing difference probably between TikTok and and the other ones are you can post ten videos. As long as one hits, you're good. Whereas, mm -hmm. like, if you post ten videos on Instagram, not it's not it's more volume. I feel like in TikTok, mm -hmm. whereas like 
Instagram, you might have to be a little bit more tactical. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sam. No, you're the Instagram so. queen. But I am not a, a TikTok queen, and I'm not really an Instagram queen at all. I've just, you know, done some deep diving in the past. I think week. out of the three of us that are on the call, I think you probably have the most tracking and actually the most success when it comes to that Instagram platform. Obviously, one of us does not use it, but... <laughs> <laughs> no matter how hard we try. No matter how we try, yes. We try to get out of this. Let's make sure that yeah. that's we, I was going to say, wait, are we... Oh, well, hold on. Let me put the timestamp on that one. Hold on. A second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which, um, which I have kind of a spicy topic today. Mm-hmm. And it is, are dinks ruining home ownership for families? First, define dink because maybe sure. dual income, no kids. Dual, dual income. income, no kids. Got it. So is Sean ruining the world? Go, Sean. What's your take? I was going to say, it's really based off of, well, I mean, it depends on what you familiarize yourself with, why a dink would be a bad thing. Fair. Some people don't have the ability to potentially build a family, so they have no other choice but to be selfish. And if they choose to obviously purchase in the home ownership, and then that's one thing that we took upon ourselves that we actually had the ability to do that this year as a first time home buyer to purchase our own properties because up until that point we were kind of paycheck to paycheck and didn't have that ability to kind of step into our own until I found real estate, obviously. Um, But it's hard. That's a fine line in the sand and it's kind of hard to tread because I kind of skate on both sides on how that's a bad thing. Right. And how it could be potentially hurtful. Well, no, the only, the only, my only argument, Mm-hmm. It's not really even an argument. It's just my thought. One of my thought processes, and this is something that I had probably, I don't know, um, <clears throat> a couple years ago when I was thinking about how dual income families, ever since women kind of entered the workforce, which is in the fifties or sixties, I think there was a big push during mm-hmm. one of the um, presidential campaigns for women back, like bringing women back to work, <clears throat> mm-hmm. which then we see kind of families um, and the <clears throat> kids kind of drop off. Where mm-hmm. So then you have people that have families, but they can't afford a house because they're only, they want a family, but also they're only on a single income. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so some would argue, and they would just say, go make more money. Right? Right. But not everyone has that, um, the luxury of, to be in real estate where we can really scale our income. For sure. Sam, thoughts? I think to be fair, if you're in a position where you can buy real estate right now, like in this time on Mm. our planet, you have to do it regardless. I don't Mm. think that it's a question of whether or not it's fair to people that can't buy real estate. I think that very soon it will be nearly impossible for anybody just starting out to buy real estate. And so if you have the opportunity, I don't think it's selfish and by right. any means. I think that you have to look out for your own financial gain and right. your own security, right? In your life, regardless of whether or not you choose to have children. I also, as somebody that has not decided to or to not have children and is married <laughs> and owns a home, mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's a stipulation for whether or not I can own property in the country that I live in. Right. 
I'm right. sure you get the tax breaks for it, but still, at that that point, you're obviously the thinking about the. They would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a good question for Robbie and how that kind of system monetizes. Yes, you have your your son now and stuff, but thinking about this long term, especially the way that equity is going to continue to grow based off of these kind of urban and rural areas, you're going to start seeing that kind of go further and further. Yeah. As those well, prices get to be unachievable, <clears throat> do you ever think about how that might be something you worry about down the road when obviously 100%. your son gets older? Because you almost want to purchase down at this point. But Right. Yeah. Well, we know that um, institutionals money isn't mm-hmm. stopping buying single family homes. Sure. Now we can go into a rabbit hole of why I think or why they're the theory, not now why I think, because I don't really think necessarily believe it but but like the theory of like everyone's going to be urbanized and everyone's Mm going to live in an apartment at some point so that's why Mm -hmm. investors are going to be buying up single family homes um by 20 by 2030 i think they said that um, i read an article i think it was new york times where 40 percent of single family homes are going to be owned by an institutional investor by 2030 that's not far away no like that and and most and most yeah right i mean that I mean, I feel like my last five years in real estate just flew by. Yeah. So we're, you know, only seven years away from that. That's I think so that's so scary to think about. 2040? Yeah. 2030. 2030. 2030. 2030, 40% of all single family homes. Wow. So something, just something to think about. Yes. And so it kind of puts you in a um, kind of in a, not in a bind, but uh, almost a, um, I'm kind of the statistic where I love where I live, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of forced to move um, to be in a bigger place mm-hmm. um, with more square footage, and that's affordable. Yeah. Whereas, like Palm Beach County, I think the average price sale in Palm Beach County for a single-family home is nine hundred seventy thousand. That's not mm-hmm. really achievable for a lot of people, wow. you know. And then you're buying a fifty-year-old house. And your insurance is going to be five hundred grand, five hundred dollars a month. So kind mm-hmm. of, you're kind of almost. Um, if you're in the family market, you kind of are forced to go a little bit north, mm-hmm. um, which is where I think a lot of families are. Just by um, the communities that we've looked at, it's all new. It's all new families, and they mm-hmm. are and in a little bit north of where I'm at in Palm Beach County. And they're either in St. Lucie, Fort Pierce, or um, Vero Beach. Those those mm-hmm. counties are all young. If Vero Beach used to be like the retirement spot. Mm-hmm. See, that's where it like- comes back to people dying out. And yes, it's like, <laughs> so it, well, it, well, it kind of comes back to that. Yeah, it kind of comes back to that every 25 years a neighborhood turns. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember last, or two years ago, I sold my in-laws house and they were they were the original owners they built their house just like everyone did in their community and then now they built it 25 years ago and then now all of a sudden people are moving in tearing down the houses and putting mm-hmm. million dollar you know million multi-million dollar homes in there mm-hmm. yeah. so i lost where i was going to go with that but any <laughs> other thoughts before we move on right. sam any any thoughts on that no no i think we're good john we're good we're you good moved on to- yeah, you'll have to remind me of my topic. Um, I think you had the would you rather. Oh, the would you rather. Okay. 
we can end it off on that one. Or do you yeah, want to take it right from here? No, no. Um, Sam, do you want to talk about your topic today on Florida contracts? Absolutely. So this is how to lose money fast. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of ways to do it in this industry. So I'm sure that this will come up mm-hmm. time after time after time. But on this week's episode of how to lose money <laughs> fast, here's something that happened on my team. It's really important whenever you are uh, in real estate that you know your contracts. So when I moved down here from Maryland, I did not necessarily know that we had two different kinds of contracts. And I'm not even talking about what's going on in Naples. I think maybe Panhandle has something different as well, right? Mm -hmm. So you have your standard contract and you have your as-is contract. These contracts have two completely sets of uh, different addendums that go with them. So if you use an addendum from contract A with contract B, they don't go together well. And a perfect example of this, I hope my agent does not get upset. I love you to pieces, you did fine, we got through it. But a perfect example of this is if you're using the as-is contract and then you use the um, standard contract repair request, there's no signature line for the sellers. Did you guys know that? For the seller mm-hmm. the repair request, if you use that addendum, Mm-hmm. And it doesn't match up. They don't go together. So if you get to your final walkthrough and you find that the seller hasn't completed any of the repairs that they told you verbally that they were going to complete because they didn't have to sign anything, mm-hmm. you might be SOL and you might end up like my agent was paying $1,500 out of pocket for those things to be taken care of because it was never executed. Your buyers thought it was going to be taken care of. Your sellers kind of weaseled their way out of it. And mm-hmm. it was a complete travesty. So in, in total. No I mean, I think that also i mean i'm all about contracts mm-hmm. i think if it's not on if like if it's not on the contract you know like i want it in writing right. I'm, I'm i i understand that yeah. but it is also kind of shitty that the seller did that well and i think it's important to you as a real estate agent to remember that like we're not attorneys right when i put my like attorney lens on and i go hmm was it ever stated in email and agreed to and like how many times did you guys go back and forth under the assumption that's like clear as day that these repairs are being completed mm-hmm. but we're not attorneys and right. at the end of the day we have to try to keep our buyers and our sellers happy get them to the goal of the finish line in this situation this was the best possible outcome but i agree with you we're just not attorneys mm-hmm. yeah I have a question for you, Sam, and this is um, being the only broker on the call. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And this is a question that I believe all of us get on a weekly basis. Okay. (laughs) This is something that just kind of came to my mind. So inspection period ends on a Monday, but you have not a signed agreement of any requests or repairs um, that were made. What do you What are you telling your agent? Yeah. If I'm calling you and I'm like Sam, this per this buyer, I, like I submitted um, a repair addendum. I haven't had it signed back yet. Um, inspection period ends Monday. What do I do? What do I tell my client? And I don't want them to Monday. lose all the money. Today Today's is Monday. Monday. Sure. Yeah. So this is actually really funny that you brought it up because I just had a listing um, where this happened and the agent was absolutely insane about it. Again, so important that you know your market, you know how the contracts work in your area, because in Maryland, it was completely different. Mm. Here, if you were my agent, I would say, does your buyer want the property if those things aren't agreed to, or at least some Mm. of them? Because if they do not, then you need to submit for your release 
before your inspection period ends because otherwise you're tied to it without those repairs at all. Um, this other guy just tried to tell me that when the repair request was submitted, that automatically extended the inspection period for five days. Eh. Has anybody ever heard that before in their entire Never. life? Never. 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 You can't just make shit up either. Like, that's mm -hmm. not how real estate works. That's not how contracts <laughs> work. So. And also the nice part about being a Florida realtor, we have the Florida hotline where we can call and be like, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, so Maryland did. Too. I think most states probably have something like that set up. I will say that the Florida Realtor Legal Hotline is like amazing compared to the one that we have forever. I will say if you call them based on this call today, just stay on the line. Don't ask for a call back. You're not going to get one. Just stay on mm. the line. Listen to the whole music. It's the least you can do, but they will answer your question really quickly. So I agree. Eventually, I eventually. agree. I agree. Um, Shoot, did we just run through all of our topics? No, would you rather? Oh, would you rather? No, we've definitely got a couple would you rathers. Yeah. Oh, um, yes. Sean, you came up with a couple ones that were funny. I had a couple. I had a couple. So actually, the, out of y'all's experience or the experience of kind of your agents, but typically based off of your opinion of this, would you rather deal with a difficult buyer that's looking for that unicorn property or deal with a seller that has an unrealistic list price that will not accept the terms of what market value truly looks like in your area. Which Any side of that? Buyer all day. I'll take a buyer with a unicorn all day. I, I, because compared to buyers, right? With a buyer, you don't like the mm -hmm. house? Great. I'll show you 10 other houses. I sure. can work with that. Seller, like this is what we got. You don't have anybody to make it better? This is it. Right? It's all a mind game with the seller. With the buyer, you can change the variable. So I would take a buyer all day. Sure, sure. I I thought that I would pick a seller. But Sam's explanation <laughs> actually <laughs> makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I would have just wasted six months. If you would if you okay. would if you would if you would have told me that, <laughs> I would have just wasted six months with a client. Yeah, but here's the other side, though. If you were to think about taking on that seller, realistically, you're not carting a buyer around all over town to show them all these properties. That's not to true. say that's an exhausted effort, but we have to kind of think it back on. Obviously, this market's way different than what we were used to in 2020 and 2021, where we were driving around frantically every five minutes that a MLS listing was being posted, that you had to get there in the hundred people line to get yeah. there. But in this more kind of balanced market, we're still obviously low on inventory. Nothing has changed on that regard. Um, Speaking but, of, sorry to cut you off, Sean. You're good. Did anyone think that we'd be this busy at the start of the year? Absolutely yeah. not. You did. You I predicted. I did optimistic. not. Crazy optimistic. So I, I, I had mixed feelings about 20. 23 or going into it but ending this first quarter first quarter we're we're recording this on march 30th i think that it has ended really well so far yeah. and we've been sure. all really really busy mm -hmm. and the fourth mm -hmm. quarter of last year was tough and then all of a sudden it just yeah changed definitely i think people got used to the high interest rates yeah yep. for sure or custom you get kind of you kind of get that um, sticker shock over you kind of get over that sticker shop shock 
Stick. Oh my god. <laughs> well, when you're told seven for three months in a row, right, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it's six, you go, oh my gosh, they've gone down. It's not. It wasn't just a steady incline all year. Now we have some like variability in a positive way at times. Mm -hmm. like, there's going to be more comfortability there. Right. And I guess. And I. And I. I mean, we all know this. Like people have to move. And people oh, have sure. to buy. The demand's always going to be there. The de like, there's always going to be demand for buying and selling real estate. And it's funny I'm, how this I'm always like, comes full circle to where the death tax yeah. comes through at some point. It's like, wait a second, there's always going to be a revolving door here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I'm the example. I need a bigger place. If mm -hmm. I were to rent a place that in my area that was, you know, bigger. It would be a thousand dollars more than what my mortgage would be if I move just move an hour north. Sure, you know, a lot of and buy. Are willing to move an hour away though. Fair, fair, I mean, true. Yeah, people want to. I mean, and that's why a lot of people are poor. But, I mean, you know. <laughs> Stop living out of your means, okay? That is Don't that overbuy is a house. That's for sure. All right, what's the next would you rather, Sean? Um, would you rather uh, be an agent in a volatile interest rate market or go back to the crazy market in which interest rates were at 2 and 3% where you had buyers flocking to your door to open up the front door? COVID market only. You think two so? Or three, 2 oh. or 3% was amazing. It was nice to have those buyers out there. Obviously, there was a lot everyone of could afford a house. Effort. This is true. Well, not everybody can. should buy a house, though. Right. <laughs> they couldn't necessarily, though, right? Because maybe they couldn't do the appraisal gaps. Maybe they couldn't sure. afford to waive all the, you know. So not everybody could afford a house, but it's definitely much right. more fun. Especially oh. when they, well, from an agent standpoint too. Just but obviously, if, if you were to think of it as a buyer standpoint, they had to settle on houses that were basically falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> For a 2% interest rate, and then now they're stuck with a 2% interest rate, and they're going to buy and hold and refurb for the rest of their fair, days. They bought at a much lower price point back sure. then, right? That's true. And that's like, true. Prices rose pretty significantly. And on the other side of that, we're in multiple offers. One of my agents just lost out on a multiple offer. It was 30 offers on the house. I think she said it went six over 60K over, right? Oh so now, not only... Are they losing out on the houses? They're still paying 60K over. They're still competing against multiple offers like that. And that's crazy. And interest rate. Like, I'd way rather go that's back. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's crazy. That's actually that's actually a good, uh, like, talking point. You know, like, are you still seeing, are we still seeing multiple offers on listings? I can tell you, yes, we are. <laughs> I had an agent last week that had 30 showings in two days. And 15 offers. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it. even the Florida market is booming. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you think about the different markets that we have and stuff. Like, obviously, Tampa essentially is always going to flock people. It's always going to have the demand of those people. Uh, Miami is also one of those people. But if you think about the other areas that, especially for agents on my team, that we're seeing a lot of production come out of it, it's Pasco County, it's Spring Hill, it's mm -hmm. all those Citrus County and it's stuff like that. So we're starting to see a lot more production come out of places that we just really didn't really have a whole lot. Um, but that's very interesting to hear from your standpoint, though, Sam, especially on your, your team side for 30 
offers. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And, and I have to say this, otherwise one of my agents will murder me. They would tell you that multiple offers never went away in parts of parts of the area of the team that we cover. So, I mean, it's it's intense if you're looking for something on the water. Every area that you just described is north. It's inland. It's probably mm. doesn't have water frontage, right? Like that is literally the last stake of vacant land where they can put mm. up more suburbs in the state of Florida. And now mm. they have to because of how many people migrated here over the last couple of years. Right. Well, I mean, if the house is priced right. It's in the right spot. It's still gonna get a ton of offers because there's mm-hmm. still a lot of people moving to Florida, like you just said. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, I, guess, I guess I have one more question. When and it's not necessarily a would you rather, but it's kind of just seeing the reference point on both of y'all's teams is seeing of those listings that your teams are taking on. How many of those are taking either under asking or concessions? out of their offers based off of what their original purchase price was? Mm. That's a really good question. I could speak from my point. Like when I took on my last listing, I mean, we had to, I had a very difficult seller that essentially was a short-term rental property. They tried to list it back in February of last year and took it off the market for six months. Yeah. And we oh, yeah. saw almost an 80% price differential because we were the only property listed. So we basically held the keys. 80% discount? 80,000 different. 80,000. Oh, 80,000. Not 80%. Yeah, 80,000. Okay. Sorry. 80,000 difference um, in purchase price. And we had to go probably 30,000 less than that with a $10,000 seller credit. Because there was, when we went back to the market, it was probably 20 properties that were on the market. And they're all basically cookie cutter, the same essential things. When was that, Sean? The closing was in December. Okay. So that, that was So that's a big point. reference point from February until December, this past December. But it it's totally different too though. Like mm-hmm. today putting a home on the market and I mean quarter four stunk, I think, for Terrible. just about everyone. Rates were at mm-hmm. like all time highs, like it was just Yeah. Notoriously bad across the entire United States. Somebody, I'm sure, will correct me if I was incorrect, but um, I think now less homes are selling under. I think Mm -hmm. less concessions are being given out. I think that sellers are still a little bit negotiable on that stuff, but we just had one last week where the seller refused to accept our offer until we gave him a free two week lease back, and that was how we won the multiple offer situation. Wow. They just like wouldn't accept any offers? Huh? They just wouldn't accept any offers until they got that? No, like we were neck and neck and that's, that oh. was like the last thing. Like we're not mm. even going to put in a security deposit. It was bananas. Mm. All right. Craziest Crazy. real estate story, Sam. My cra- I don't know if I can just come up with my craziest real estate story right off the bat. Okay, maybe... One of my, my scariest real estate stories, I'll tell Ooh. you. Okay. So it was a million dollar property and it was the first one I was ever going to show and crazy funny about how small a world it is. It actually ended up being the next door neighbor to where I got married later on in life. But I went down to this property by myself because when you get an online lead and you're a realtor, you just show up in the middle of the woods to meet a stranger because that's totally normal. (laughs) It was supposed to be a vacant list. They said in the realtor remarks that they had a dog, but it was put away in the laundry room and just not to go in there. 
Mm-hmm. And so I wait, my clients, of course, like 15, 20 minutes late, I'm starting to think like, this is fake, it's a $1.2 million house, this is never gonna pan out for me anyway. Finally, he shows up, very large man, I was, was terrified. So I made him walk in front of me because that's what they teach you in the realtor safety classes, right? Like have the client walk in front of you. That way you can see everything that they're doing. You can run away real quick if you need to, whatever. So he's walking in front of me and we pass the laundry room where the dog is and you can hear the dog barking and he's moving on in the house. And I stop because I'm like, oh my God, there's a dog. The dog (laughs) jumps on the door and it opens out and it wasn't like locked or closed. And it was like a giant like mastiff. I think that's what this is. Yeah big heads, big faces, and like jumps out. And I don't know that it wouldn't have been friendly. I would never say that about a dog, but I do know that a dog was lunging at me and this big burly man that I was terrified of, you know, murdering and kidnapping me the entire time, swooped in, saved me, kind of threw the dog back in the laundry room and shut the door. And he was like, you need to be more careful. (laughs) (laughs) And I never heard that man again. You need to be more careful. Is that in Florida? No, Maryland. Oh mm. my gosh. Yeah. Jeez. It was bad. Yeah. So same thing. Online lead. You know, mm-hmm. you try to show up a couple minutes early mm-hmm. uh, to get into the property, turn off all turn on all the lights. Um, I did not read the broker's remark um, prior. <laughs> um, to going because I was it was kind of scheduled for me and I just went um went and i get there um open up all the doors and as soon as i open up the door uh, the doors the alarms go off mm-hmm. in the entire house and i'm like i i don't know what's like i don't know what's going on so now i'm just standing there while this client pulls up <laughs> and the alarms are just going off <laughs> And I'm just, I'm just standing there and I'm just saying, you still want to see the house? Like, you know, like we can walk in and I'm, I'm trying to call the listing agent, you know, and also kind of see, not even thinking of going into what, like into the broker's remarks to see the alarm code, because now we're like stage two of the alarm and it's like a different noise. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like the whole the whole neighborhood knows that you're there, mm-hmm. and so at at one and luckily I was able to get the listing agent on the phone and we did turn it off, but if it was maybe a couple minutes more, the cops would have showed up. Hundred percent. That is the worst feeling when you. And I, again, just like you, never saw that lead again. Right. Yeah. They ghost figure. you real fast if you mess up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like God forbid, Robbie has to do a second showing with that client, and sure enough, he's handing uh, earplugs to him as he walks through the front door. So that I don't know what's going to happen behind this door, but I swear, I thought I read the remarks that if there's an alarm, I'm turning it off. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was still trying to show the home. I was young, I was hustling, you know, um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you pre-approved? You know, like, you know, stuff like that. How do you plan on paying for this? Um, you know, something like that. Anyways, that's my, that's my real estate story. Sean, I know you have a good one. I have. Um, that's why I, I saved have, you for last. I was going to say I do have a good one. And I kick myself every day for 
not being earlier to this appointment. So obviously another working with an online database lead, um, go in there. We got under, under contract. We're at the inspection. So we're in, in the inspection on the short-term rental property. I show up, I start flipping on all the lights. Our inspector just got there. So I'm meeting with him, talking with him, um, asking if he needs anything. Then my buyers show up from out of state. Sure enough, I will never forget this. My buyers step out of their SUV and the wife, sweetest angel you could ever meet, steps out of the vehicle and sure enough in the bush is a wad of cash wrapped up <laughs> wrapped up $50 bills in the bush just sitting it. there. We brought it back inside. So the <laughs> missus says, oh my gosh, I don't want to touch it. It's got to be drug money. I, it, we, we can't touch it. Maybe it's somebody's like payment for cleaning the house or staying at this house for free. We can't touch this. I was like, well, I look at the husband. The husband and I are both being from Georgia originally. We kind of get to talking. And he's like, well, I mean, we can't just leave it out here. There's an inspector that's inside that we're going to be paying five, $600 to this inspector. So we bring it inside. He starts counting it. The inspector turns around the corner and says, um, is that how you're paying for this today? He goes, no, 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 no. We found this in a bush outside. He looks at me. I look at him. He and I have a really good working relationship. And we just know when we lock eyes that we know that we messed up by not showing up 30 to 45 <laughs> minutes earlier than this. But essentially the husband gets to counting it. It's about $5,000 wrapped up in $50 bills. So and the, I wish I had a cool story about it, but the wife as sweet as she can be with the integrity of every, basically the integrity beyond this world <laughs> called the cops. Oh the cops God. decide to show up. <laughs> the cops look at me being the real estate agent and he said, why did you call me? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I can't not look bad to this client that I potentially might do deals with in the future. So I called you to basically He's essentially like, figure out what's I'm going on with this. Right? That's, that's what he said. He's like, well, I don't know how we can track this because if somebody <laughs> calls the station and says, Hey, where's my $5,000? There's no way to track it. I mean, what do you have like proof of numbers on the $50 bills? No. Um, so <laughs> the officer then takes the $5,000, puts it in a stereotypical evidence bag. Oh my gosh. Marks That's it, gone. labels it with my name on it and with the <laughs> wife's name on it and says, Hey, contact this number within 90 days. If nobody claims it, it actually goes back to you. We're like, yeah. oh, that's cool. And then during that time frame, it's roughly in like the August, September range. Thinking 90 days out, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That'll be a nice little Christmas bonus. I mean, we could split it three ways, four ways <laughs> if you want to say, give it to the cop, five ways if you want to include the, <laughs> the inspector. Um, and no, the wife basically called the station and said somebody came by and picked it up. I was like, oh, that's nice. Um, but who wife, like who would think to if I lost five grand? No, I'm either. not thinking. No, never, 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 never would I think. Never. 
and then basically wow. the whole story after the cop took a, took the money away, um, basically the wife was saying, well, if we do this, we have to just donate it. We have to donate <laughs> it to charity. We got to give it to somebody. And I was like, dang it. That would have been really nice for Christmas, but no, God forbid. So that's probably the wildest one to the state. And every time I use that home inspector, I use it on my own personal home. He's like, wait a second, you're that person. I was like, yes, you're inspecting my home today. He's like, Man, we were that close, that close to five thousand dollars extra. So, That's craziest so one to date. That is wild. That was is awesome. Bad no, it was, it was a short-term <laughs> rental property. It was like in a very frequent um, Orlando market, basically five minutes door to door from Disney and gated community. <laughs> <laughs> gated community. You had to sign in, sign out to get out through this community, and yeah the wildest thing to date i did my final walkthrough virtually with them and the husband calls me ahead of time and says hey make sure to check the bushes sure, <laughs> i'll check in for you he's like did you find anything i was like do you do you think i would tell you if i would if i found anything so, your wife took my money <laughs> i was gonna say your wife basically was donating it that day so right That's too gosh awesome. Well, this Craziest. has been super fun. Thanks, guys. I think um, Between Us Agents is officially a success. We did it, and I think that we'll be doing this again next week, right? Next week. Absolutely. Next week. All right. Hopefully weekly. <laughs> <laughs>